This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. You're listening to the AZ Wildcats podcast. We're partnered with BetMGM. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code PHNX. There's a few different offers depending on where you live. But for our AZ audience, you will get up to $100 in bonus bets on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code PHNX. Place a pregame Moneyline wager in the amount of at least $10 on any market at standard odds price. You will receive $10 in bonus bets instantly, regardless of the outcome of your wager. Just make sure you use bonus code PHNX. Gen X when you sign up. Plus, join us at the BetMGM States uh, Sportsbook at State Farm Stadium for all Suns away games. Our uh, feature foods and drink specials, PHNX giveaways, and PHNX live shows. Uh, join us by grabbing your free ticket in the show notes. Now, check out the full notes in the link in the description. Now, let's hear the disclaimer from Shane. Disclaimer 21 plus to wager. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in Washington, D.C., Mississippi, Nevada, New York, and Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP-ARIZONA. 1-800-522-4700. Kansas, Nevada. 1-800-327-5050. Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF-IOWA. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help. Michigan. All right, now that we paid the bills, joined by the great Ryan Hansen, uh, has the best job in the world. Besides getting to travel, gets to call U of A games, has dropped a three-pointer on Reggie Geary in practice before. You name it, Rhino's done it. How you doing, my guy? Luke, Mike, Luke, good to see you, brother. You're uh, you're always got the energy, and I love talking with you about Arizona basketball. You know that. Let's get all right. So let's get started here. So Tommy Lloyd in his first two seasons here has won the most games in college basketball history um, by, a, you know, actually by a couple games. Um, let me ask you this. And again, um, we'll talk tournament and all that. What has surprised you when looking back at the first two years of Tommy Lloyd? What does Rhino think about what Tommy Lloyd has brought to the table? And, you know, maybe something surprised you a little bit. Um, I would say the, the the best thing about what Tommy's brought is I really feel like Arizona basketball is back. I know yeah. fans may say that the tournament run, and we'll talk about that, right, mm-hmm. doesn't equate to what our expectations were, what we want them to be long term. There's no doubt. We'll We'll dig into that. But when you look at where Arizona basketball was really and truly after the FBI hit, and everything kind of started to unravel. Uh, COVID didn't help us because I think the Nico Mannion year, we had some things rolling, but let's get real. That probably was not a Final Four group looking at how they played all season long. So relatively speaking, Arizona was not in the mix when you talked about top 25 teams. Tommy Lloyd got us back quickly, got us back with a bang. And the style of play I love, I think the fan base loves, I think long-term will be huge for Arizona and is what we all want it to be from a branding standpoint. The next step has to be taken now. So I personally couldn't be any happier. Uh, maybe the order of how long, how far we went in the tournament 
has gotten everybody's expectations right. upside down. Uh, I would say if Arizona had gone to the first round a year ago, lost in the first round, and then went to the Sweet 16 in year two, we would be feeling we're building, we're there, Arizona's right. hot. Because it was reversed, now we kind of have this letdown of a year this year when, for all intents and purposes, the season, when you look at the old famous phrase in college basketball, the body of work, Tommy put together probably an exceptional coaching job and maybe year two for the body of work was a better coaching job than even year one. Well, I would, I would totally second that. As a matter of fact, I would say, you know, and Rhino, you've, you've lived U of A basketball up close. You know what, you know, the great teams generally have NBA players. And this was a really, really, this was a great coaching performance by Tommy Lloyd because while there's a ton of really good players on this, this past year's team, there's not the one guy that just jumps out at you. The Ben Matherin said he's an NBA guy. There's not the Jared Bayless that comes in. He's an NBA guy. You know, um, there are some guys that could play in the league. But I thought going into the year that I felt the talent on the team was somewhere around 17 to 22, somewhere in there. And the fact that they got a number two seed on top of what they did the previous year, from an X's and O's perspective, from a style perspective, there shouldn't be any questions about what Tommy Hoyt can do as a head coach. No, he's proven that. And I think uh, and when we analyze and micro analyze some of the games and maybe, you know, no coach is perfect out of Tommy's own mouth. He knows, you know, maybe you look back on this year and he learns a couple of things. Right. So the brand is, is solid. The style of play is outstanding. The X's and O's. And I believe the player development, which is yeah. something that Tommy is very good at, is top notch. And that will pay dividends into the future. Uh, when you look at a couple of the things that maybe he learned, okay, was was the bench utilized and grown as as well as it should have? Was that going to be the difference maker against Princeton or not? I don't know. Maybe maybe right. somebody would have hit a shot or something that could have made a difference. Uh, but maybe he looks at that end of game scenario with the ASU debacle. He's going to learn from that. Every coach has one of those <laughs> games that goes awry at the end of the game and a Hail Mary shot goes in, maybe not as crazy as that one was, but chalk that one up. Right. Tommy's got the record for most wins in two years. He also has a game that he knows he wants back, you know, maybe some other overthinking um, strategies that he's he deployed. And he admitted that in some games. Maybe we overthought how we defended UCLA in game one at Poly, and we we really tried to to mimic or we really tried to you know manage the game too tightly. He's learning from those things and has admitted that. So there's some growth for sure for him. Uh, but the the key pillars that you mentioned, brand, style, player development, X's and O's, I feel very confident as Tommy Lloyd's uh, basketball coaching staff is, is well-rounded. What I like, too, about it, and this is kind of piggyback on your point, what he 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 admits that he doesn't know everything. I mean, you look at it, look at a, look at a guy like Lute Olson, and again, this has been told a million times, Lute Olson went to a Final Four at Iowa, 88, obviously. And then you had kind of, a, you had a string of first-round losses, early upsets, Santa Clara, East Tennessee State. And a guy of Lute's stature looked and said, all right, I got to start giving my guards a little bit more uh, priority here. I got to start changing my style. And obviously it was done to a great effect right there. Um, I think when it comes to recruiting, when it comes to roster, Lloyd's still figuring this thing out a little bit. And he'll basically admit that if he were to sit there and just say, nope, we've got it all. Uh, we've got it all done. We're going to go exactly with what we keep doing. That would be a little bit of a concern. But again, he's a young coach in the grand scheme of things there, Rhino. 
if we would have hired, uh, and I say we, haha, like you and I had anything to do with it. Uh, but if Arizona would have hired a a name coach from a, that was a head coach, a sitting head coach with a brand that you could recruit to and build, and he had learned all of these things already in a previous stop or stops, like look at what Lou Olson. He, by the way, do you know Lou was never an assistant coach? Did you know that? He was a head coach always. He had never even at the high school level started as an assistant coach. Luke was always a head coach. So he learned wow. all the way Hold back in North Dakota. Right? Yes, a, I'm not kidding. Did you have you have you been sitting on this? I had no clue about that. I would have figured he well, would have been an assistant at some that's amazing nope. stuff. Go ahead, Rhino. Never an assistant. So you think of that chair and learning how to be a head coach. It started way back at Two Harbors High School in North Dakota and built all the way to Southern California, the JC run, Iowa, right? So he had learned quite a bit. He had been a head coach for 20 years before he stepped into the Arizona role. Tommy had never been a head coach. uh, So we knew. Hiring an assistant, you had to build his brand as a head coach, his stature from a recruiting standpoint. And we're still seeing that develop. Arizona had to kind of recuperate a bit from a recruiting standpoint. We're still seeing that. Uh, But I do see what Tommy has has been able to build. And I think Arizona fans, we, we got the taste of success. We got the taste of what we've all wanted and desired to have. Uh, and I think got a little spoiled. Uh, and so this year kind of felt like a huge letdown. And I know from a recruiting standpoint, which we'll talk, you know, it may not be firing. We may not be getting those top 20s and, and these recruit names are flying in left and right. Trust the process as the old phrase goes. I've got trust that Tommy's got the plan worked out. Yeah, let's, now let's talk about that. And especially too, I want to talk about the point guard position here because you yeah. – I don't know that there's ever been somebody that has been around better college point guards than Ryan Hansen right there. I mean, you lived it at its absolute apex, but let me tell you first about the official beer of PHNX Four Peaks. What do you think about the nickname that I came up with for the four U of A big men this year, Ryan Hansen, the Four Peaks? Is that just stupid? No, no. It's and first of all, it's very topical and perfect for this podcast. So that's your priority was absolutely checked off. All right. The best place to uh, take in the NFL draft on April 27th is at the Four Peaks uh, 8th Street Pub. Register for free in the link to uh, in the show notes in the description to take advantage of your uh, uh, of the specials. Must be 21 and up. Enjoy responsibly. And tap and bottle, uh, tap and bottle watch parties. Had those all year. Privileged to be endorsed by them, Northside and the downtown location. Listen, there's a lot of people, I kid you not, people would come in there and they would have Brian Jeffries and Ryan Hansen on the radio as they're watching the game in there. That's the way to do it. Check it out, tap and bottle. All right, point guard. Um, Kirk Creasa to me did a lot of good things here at the U of A. You look at his win-loss record, it um, it speaks for itself, you know, and that's ju- generally how point guards are judged. Um, I do believe that, there was a little bit of a ceiling with Kerr, though. Um, and again, maybe I'm just coming from seeing Damon and JT and Bibby and all them. But I think you kind of knew what Kerr was. He's going to be about a 10 and 5 guy, decent shooter. Um, Boswell, to me, has, a, has another level to him, another feel to him. I'm incredibly excited to see what he can bring, especially being given the keys to this Lamborghini playing 30-plus minutes a game. I, I don't know what to expect, but I think we're going to like the results. I'm definitely aligned with your view and perspective, right? So Kerr gave us a lot of great things, uh, mm-hmm. led the league in assists two years in a row in assists per game. I mean, he was uh, was a distributor. I think his 
ability to set the pace for what Tommy Lloyd wanted to do with tempo and pace, a, a different point guard might not have been able to do that. So Arizona was able to put together Tommy's blueprint of tempo had the right guy, at least, who was a willing passer, somebody who did not have to dominate with the dribble, would give it up early, would make those difficult long court passes, would be willing to take right. the chance and the risk on those. So I think he did a lot of great things for us. But let's not hide the fact that you said it probably perfectly, the ceiling of opportunity when you look at what guard play was doing to advance in the NSA tournament, Arizona needed more guards around Kerr to do those things, to take those things off of his plate when when the rubber met the road. You look right. at Noel from Kansas State, what he was able to do. Why did Florida Atlantic advance? They had dudes. They had two or three perimeter guys that could get a bucket. They were buckets. Right. Isaiah Wong from Miami, guy could get a bucket, but you also had other players there that, that complemented that. So Arizona, right. if you look at the last two years of Kerr Carissa in the backcourt, went pretty far when you had DT and, and Ben in that mm -hmm. role this last year kylan was developing not there yet to really take the reins uh there might have been one criticism of the princeton game and i very rarely criticize coaches because i know the stress pressure and i'm not that guy uh, right. but golly when you look back maybe kylan was better suited for that game were we getting yeah. more productivity out of him that maybe the future was the now uh this year and i agree with you so all uh, hope and and best wishes to Kirk Creesa. Uh, he was a polarizing figure here at Arizona. And I think if he, when he looks back on his career at Arizona, I hope he's pleased with the time he spent. The fan support was there, but he was polarizing. And maybe, just maybe for both parties, the best thing happened. Right. Uh, for him to start fresh, if the transfer portal has any positives, it does afford a player the opportunity to do something like this that maybe sets a new course for both parties. And I'm, to that end, very excited about what Kylan Boswell can bring. His, I think his ability at the point to score at all three levels and be a distributor uh, is, is an elevated point guard level play for us versus where Kerr was. Kerr was three or nothing. He wasn't three or layup. Right. You know this, Kerr, very difficult finishing. And that's what surprised me. That's what surprised me, Rhino, because I agree with you. I yep. think Tommy Lloyd has already shown that he does an amazing job developing players. You just look at the jumps with Ben Matherin, uh, uh, Christian Coloco, mm -hmm. et cetera. What surprised me about Kerr is he never developed a floater. He never developed kind of that yep. mid-range thing where I think that he could have added a little bit of a level to it. And that just, like you said, he was he was three or bust essentially on the offensive yeah. end. You know, you look at the pick and roll, which Tommy utilizes quite a bit. We we destroyed people when it was give it up to the roll man uh, or when the guard defending Kerr would go underneath the screen and that would give Kerr a chance to just step uh, beyond the three-point line and knock it down. But coming off that pick and roll, stopping at the free throw line and popping or hitting a runner or trying to finish in transition, I see that as Kylan Boswell now, right? Yeah. I mean, he's already shown us he has the, the the stop and pop at 15 in his bag. He's got the come off of it as the guard comes over the top, give a little contact, step back and create space. That's an NBA type play. He's got that in his bag. The next level for him because of his size, and I mean height, not right. strength, um, is finding ways to finish in traffic and getting to the rim and finishing uh, at the rim 
uh, like, you know, Kyrie Irving's not huge, but he's developed a skill. And I'm, I'm like putting now, you know, way You're long. You're comparing him to Kyrie Irving. I like it. Right yeah. hands right now. Wow. Uh, April, April 20th. <laughs> Put it down. But uh, to, to your point, I do think that Kylan's ultimate ceiling, which Arizona's ultimate ceiling at the point guard play, uh, will be higher because of Kylan Boswell being essentially, you know, taking over at present. But I think Kylan and – you know, I think you may shift into this. I think Kylan is really has the ability to be a combo guard. I think he has yeah. the this the three point threat, the scoring threat, and the the mental uh, ability to shift back and forth. In college basketball now, we we're, we're it's old school for us to say point guard to shooting guard, small forward, right. power forward. That's old. It's beyond way beyond that. Boswell that, is a perimeter guard that can get it done. I mean, you look at it this way. I mean, like when Miles was uh, when Miles was academically ineligible, you threw in Jason Terry right there and Mike Bibby in the backcourt, and you could say that well, Mike's a pure point guard. JT is JT could play point. I mean, we we saw the JT could play point, and sure they were six one, but I don't really. Honestly, I think height at the guard positions is a tad overrated in college because let's just say that you have a Ryan Nemhart here or a Kylan Boswell. You don't see in college guys back down shooting guards on an ISO thing like a Mark Jackson or a Gary Payton used to do in the NBA. That's not really how the college game works. No, and and, and being able to defend your position is not dictated by how tall you are. Uh, I would say – I would love for someone to back down Kylan Boswell in the post. Yes. I think that's advantage Boswell. Yes. Uh, and and we've if let's say because we can talk in open terms. If it were a Ryan Nemhard that were to land here, uh, he defends his position very well. So don't get caught up in height when you look at oh he's got we, we're small. Uh, holy cow! Look at again the NSA tournament. Florida Atlantic, one big, Euro big, by the way. So if anybody's mad at Euro bigs, let's look at Florida Atlantic, Euro right. big, uh, with a lot of, relatively speaking, guards that, right. that could have been posted up but wouldn't allow themselves to be posted up. Now, all right, uh, uh, Jacob, if you could pull up the uh, the stat graphic for the players returning this coming year, I want to get some Rhino's thoughts on some of these guys. So here's who you know that you have. So when we talk about Kylan Boswell right there. If you were to have a Ryan Nemhart. I think that that alleviates a lot of the concerns that this past year's team had because you got two guys there. You know that Nemhart can break his guy down, make life a little bit easier. Boswell as well. I think they would fit perfectly together. Again, nothing's happened yet, but I think that that would make Tommy Lloyd's job a lot easier just because at the end of a game, at the end of a shot clock, you have somebody that can be that dude, and uh, especially Ryan Nemhart has shown that he can do that. And again, I get that Tommy Lloyd's offense doesn't necessarily go like that, but there's still times in games when you need somebody to get a bucket. There's definitely times in games, and, and now to say we need playmakers, we need guys, we need guys that, as I've always called it, and I have a number of people that have used this, I didn't coin it. We need dudes on the yep. perimeter. We need dudes, and Boswell's a dude. Nemhart's a dude. And what do I mean by that? Tough, gritty, playmake for others, score for themselves, score at all three levels, not going to back down against a UCLA defense or a Houston defense. You need dudes that rise to the occasion, not afraid of a big shot. Uh, and that's, Miles Simon was I, a dude. He was a dude. Mike Bibby was a dude. Jason right. Gardner, dude. Salim Stoudemire, Khalid Reeves, right? right. Chris Mills. You right. probably saw a tweet on campus down recently on campus. One, literally modern Arizona men's basketball, the forgotten man 
unfairly forgotten, one of the greats ever. Uh, but back to this year's squad, if I look at that list, right, I see promise, I see post-play, I see hope there, I see length, I see size, I don't see dudes on the perimeter. I right. think Pella Larson has some mojo with him. Uh, I think he can develop more in this offseason into one of those quote-unquote dudes, not enough dudes. I think K.J. Lewis could be a dude. Right. Uh, but for him to be consistently relied upon night in and night out is probably unfair uh, coming into his first year. So there are some holes, but you know this. You've talked about it. You may have even tweeted about it. Cedric Henderson commits to Arizona in June. Courtney Ramey commits to Arizona right. in June. Kylan Boswell reclassifies in July. So last year's roster was kind of tenuous at this point as right. well, and things did fall into place pretty nicely. So trust the process with Tommy on on what what can come. Let's start, let's talk a little bit about Kylan or not Kylan Boswell, Pella Larson. I want to get your take on this, but yep. first, if you're somebody like Ryan Hansen, by the way, Ryan, plug your company right there because again, it's some pretty cool stuff. One plug, and you said it. I love to travel because I run Bon Voyage Travel here in Tucson. So, and I am leaving tomorrow, which is why we had to come on today. Yeah. I'm flying tomorrow to Alaska to go on an Alaska cruise, and in two weeks I'll be in Rome, baby, on another cruise. So, yeah. don't you wish you were you had my job, Mike? I do. I wish every single day. <laughs> but let's say that Ryan Hansen, though, is going somewhere where it's sunny. He could use Shady Rays. All right, here's the cool thing with Shady Rays. You can take on the sun with gear built to last. Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered for the warm weather ahead with premium polarized shades at an affordable price. Exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is giving out their best deal of the season. Go to ShadyRays.com. Promo code PHNX for 50% off, two-plus pairs of polarized, uh, polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 250,000 people. All right. Uh, speaking of a cool guy, Pella Larson. Um, Pella Larson, to me, we know a few things about Pella at this point. Pella is a very good finisher around the hoop. Pella is a good physical defender. Um, his shot came around at the end. The, where I would like to see a little bit – another player added in addition to Pella is I don't believe that Pella is really a guy that is ever going to be able to come off screens and make threes like you know like a Mike D used to do or somebody like that. And I don't know that the handle is necessarily natural there, which I think limits him to a certain degree, but he's still a really good player obviously to have in the rotation at 28 minutes. Am I being too simplistic? Am I right? What do you think about that? I think you're on the right track. Um, you know, what we got last year from him was I think he tried to be a shooter early. Uh, shot wasn't falling, and he fell into the trap of that that dictated his offense. Uh, as the season went on and Tommy influenced him about, hey, when you take it to the rim, don't try to get fouled. Score. Right. If you get fouled, that's awesome. And once that light bulb came on for Pella, who's a very rugged player, he gets yeah. hit. He's kind of like – uh, in some respects, he's like a Domas Sabonis uh, with yeah. the Kings, where he's always getting cracked. Uh, sometimes Sabonis does it to himself. That's another podcast for another <laughs> for sure. time. Uh, which, by the way, that's a great series. If you're not watching that series, you're missing out on something special. Who do you like, to, who do you like tonight? Oh, geez. I, I like the Warriors. I like I them too. at home. I think the role players will play better. I think Jordan Poole is going to play much better at home. He has to play well. However, without Draymond, that that becomes a challenge uh but i'll tell you the guys that are hooping are the kings holy cow they're playing with confidence that's a okay. fun fun series i think it's got i don't think it's over by any stretch of the imagination i agree uh back to pella larson um 
I, Arizona needs more consistency and, and well-rounded play offensively from him. His defense was off the charts. I, I see him being another right. critical piece to Arizona defensively. Uh, his handles have got to improve. Uh, if he's going to make the jump to the NBA, uh, he's at that size right now where I think he's showing defensive versatility, which is huge. Mm-hmm. He's going to have to be able to be a knockdown shooter at that size because he could be a 3 and D guy uh, in the NBA. However, he his handles aren't aren't at the NBA level. He'll he right. will they'll force him to put the ball on the deck at some point, and he has he struggles with that, which was some of our struggles. If you look this year, our yeah. press breaks and, and ability to get the ball across half court. If Pella was involved, that was not our best option uh, to break the press. He's got to improve in that area where Tommy's more confident and Pella's more confident in using the dribble to break pressure and using the dribble to create offense for himself. Right. Even if it's a straight line dribble, just to be able to have that with confidence, because the the key thing I think you see with them a lot of times is the dribble is just really high. It's just really, it's, and you know, and again, when you're playing high D one level, you played high D one, you made a three on Reggie, you know, this, that, um, one still still made it but you know i mean at that point especially when you're playing the pac-12 and you got a lot of talented perimeter guys that's just a it's just difficult right there but he does bring a lot of really really good things to the equation obviously there um i want to get your take on umar ballo um i'll be honest with you here when umar ballo came in here i thought he was going to be more of a gene edgerson type and there's nothing wrong with that but you know eight to 10 minutes a game, throw some bow or, you know, not intentionally throw some bows, but, you know, be physical. Maybe intentionally Provo, Utah. I was there. Won't, won't uh, I wasn't going to bring that example up, but yes. Um, <laughs> but, you know, a player like that, which everybody needs, but obviously I was way wrong on that. He was 15 and eight this, uh, this year. Does he have another step that he can make? Can he become a 18 and eight guy? Are we kind of where he's at? Where, where do you, where do you see him falling? That's a great, uh, a great question because I, I think I fell prey to the what did we see from him at Gonzaga and what we saw was limited opportunities and and the assumption was limited skill set, not good enough to be a starter in the Pac-12 if he can't crack any more minutes than he was doing at Gonzaga. Shame on us for not, well we're not the coach, right? Tommy right. saw much more in him, so I agree with you. I did not see that jump especially from year one to year two at Arizona. Um, Can he make another seismic jump like that? I think that's probably asking too much. Um, What what is he missing in his bag, right? I think he's missing some athleticism. Is that going to change? He's heavy-footed. Probably not. Heavy-footed, right? Does he finish above the rim more often than not? Probably not. Doesn't mean that he can't be effective. We've seen guys finish at or below the rim more often than not uh, and and be super effective. Uh, Can he develop more of the ability to knock down that push shot that he has? I don't think he's going to all of a sudden become Channing Frye moving into knocking down threes at the NBA level. So to answer your question, I don't want to limit Umar because he's proven us wrong and there's no reason why he can't do it again. Or And Tommy, I don't want to you know, limit what their ability to develop him. Uh, I just don't see a huge seismic jump. Can he get better at back to the basket moves, more versatile with both hands, uh, really consistent at 10 to eight to 10 feet with a push shot? Absolutely. I just don't know if I see him pick and pop at 15 to 17. I just don't know if his body type and how he moves. And, and you know, it's not a pure jumper, right? It's right. a push shot. And right. hey, own the push shot, master the push shot, 
and we'll be thrilled if you become, you know, super skilled at that at that level. Speaking of a guy that I'd like to see make a jump is Henry Vasar. Um, you see here, here's what Henry's got going for him. And I know a lot of people are out on Henry. You need to remember though, that this is his first year here in the United States playing division one hoop, but here's the things that you can't take away from him. First of all, he is huge. He's got a seven, five wingspan. You stand uh, up close. He's got a capacity to block shots. He is actually not a bad shooter. I mean, I'm, I know you've probably seen him in practice. He can knock it down. Um, there's a, and I believe that I believe that he can be a guy that gives you eight, four, and a block and a half next year. I don't think that's too much to ask because I think he has the talent to be able to do that with a year strength and conditioning and getting better. Rhino, bigs take a longer time to develop. That's across the board. How many yep. bigs do you see? You know, come and splash in the one and done. Those are the really uber guys. Yeah. Um, I think Henry Vasar. Uh, I, I would have liked to have seen him utilized more. I agree. Uh, I, th I think we missed maybe, you know, some opportunities because maybe we didn't put teams away as early as we should have some of those early games in the Pac-12 games that should have just been done. And he would have been more, Tommy might would have felt a little more comfortable to get him time or what have you, but it just takes more time with those guys. And when you couple that with, as you mentioned, the Euro change for him uh moving to college basketball that's it that's just a different level for a high school kid playing in america let alone a euro uh, i do have high expectations for henry vasar in year two and i've seen it in practice i think if he he's not heavy footed he's got bounce uh he's got length that's not he's not seven foot with short arms he's got great wingspan i think he's got a good sense for shot blocking like you said if Arizona missed another thing this past season, we were not great at rim protection. We had size, uh, so we were better than most, but we weren't blocking shots, Christian Coloco style. And I don't think Vesar is going to be Coloco as a shot blocker, but let's compare the development, at least, of Christian Coloco. Freshman year of Coloco to where he be what he became in year two and year three at Arizona. I, I see some big jumps for Henry Vesar, and I actually concur, if not Think, I think Henry could be closer to 10 points and six rebounds versus eight and four, personally. Henry is a guy that I don't dismiss as being a legitimate NBA prospect in a year or two. I think that he is, he's got that type of ability. You know it when you see it. I mean, we've seen guys that have come through here where you're like, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I love Umar Ballo. I don't believe in this day and age that Umar Ballo is an NBA player. I think he's going to be make a ton of money overseas, and there's no, absolutely I would love to have his future. But Henry Vasar is a guy to me that has that potential to possibly reach right there. All right, I, right, I couldn't agree more. Let me ask you this. What's the next step then for Arizona? When you've got when they've gotten into the tournament the last couple of years, you've seen that they've had some struggles, obviously, with uh the guard at the guard position right there, and having a guy outside of a Ben Matherin who could just, like you said, be that dude. What is that next step for Arizona to get past that, you know, kind of those postseason struggles? Yeah, Arizona's gonna need they need more talent. There's just no doubt yeah. about it that uh you can have really good guys and good players and win a lot of games in college basketball. Uh, you need you need talent at the NCAA tournament level. And for what you and I want, and I think your viewers, were, they're like us, I think. They're right. just junkies, and they, they have high expectations for Arizona. Arizona has got to become a, a consistent second weekend in the NCAA tournament program. Uh, and yeah, you're gonna you're gonna drop one here or there where you shouldn't in that first weekend. You lose in the first round, people talk about you. You get to the second weekend, people talk about you. It's a different conversation. Uh, Arizona to 
to really get that national recognition again and be established again, like you give Tommy a break in year one and two, year three, four, and five, you probably don't give him as much of a right. break if the talent's not coming in, at least building for the future. We've got a, some really good opportunities here in the next you know, right. couple of weeks, maybe oh, yeah. one next week that could could change everybody's perspective of the near-term future from a talent level standpoint. Uh, but that second weekend, that's where Arizona belongs. I've seen so many, and you have seen it, so many stats run either, and no matter what the time frame is, uh, most wins in the last five years, best winning percentage in the last 10 years, uh, conference and tournament championships of the last 15 years, Arizona's on every list. Right. One problem. We're up like the one or two teams on that list that have not made a Final Four run in that right. time frame. And, and when and I was you growing up through to get the to get the the validity right, and, and when I was growing up, that was every four years you could basically bank on it. Going to play in the final four, and you know it just it's just been so long. And that's kind of the one thing if you know you're trash talking with your UCLA friend or something, and they say that it's a it's a hard one to come back from right there. And but like you said, when you're at Arizona, you have all the reasons to be able to do that. One thing that I do like that he's doing, uh, well, one thing amongst many things I like that he's doing, I love the scheduling, Rhino. You guys are going to be, be able to call a game in Cameron next year. Ooh. Then you got Alabama, you got Michigan State. I love that. I don't. I and that's something that I think we took for granted with Loot is that Loot had connections with these coaches and he utilized them to play games. Now again, if it was Mike Shishovsky, he wasn't going to let him just tell him, "Hey, play at our place," and then we'll do a neutral court. I mean, he had there had to be respect, like with the Roy Williams with Kansas, North Carolina, et cetera. But I would love to see that out-of-conference scheduling that Tommy Lloyd is at least putting in here right now, Rhino. Uh, it's what we, it's another piece of what we expect in the fan base, and I, I you know this. Players want to play in those games. And uh, with no Maui on the, the schedule next year, uh, I believe Arizona was scheduled to be back in the Las Vegas uh, run, or uh, which is the wooden being moved to Las Vegas. Um, it just was not – Michigan from two years ago right. headlining with Wichita State in there so you felt like you had had some great teams so I I'm glad they they bounced out of that so it's an odd year where we're not playing in a multi-team event with a championship on the line uh, like the the Vegas run and the Roman fight or whatever they called that right. and the Maui run uh, this past season uh, but playing in Palm Springs on Thanksgiving Day against Michigan State that's must-see TV that's yes. what college basketball fans are waiting for. And for Arizona to be back in Durham, North Carolina at Cameron for the first time since the early 90s, I tried, as you know, and you, you referenced a conversation essentially that I had year in and year out uh, with Duke trying to get a home and home with those guys. We played them in neutral stuff and uh, you know, the the A.D. at St. John's, Mike Craig, was the director of operations at the time uh, at at duke when we were trying to work this out and it could never could never happen so now that we've got a true home and home uh with some other opportunities for neutrals i think thrown in there as well is is off the charts and then alabama being uh you know a a recent splash in college basketball makes all the sense in the world uh need want love a home game of that stature uh i've done the job so i know it's hard uh, right. I did the job for over 10 years uh, of trying to schedule these games. So, again, no fault to the program, but I sit on the court 
side seats and having Tennessee in McHale the game before Christmas. Come on, Mike. That was magical. That was yes. McHale at its finest. Right. We need and desire and want one of those every year. And especially, dude, with UCLA seeing, saying sayonara to, to look at what's left now on that schedule without a major team coming in every year. Oh, I just, it's special. That's what I love about college basketball are those home games. So the Duke one's coming. Those other ones will come too. Before we sign off here, do you have any preference staying in the Pac-12, Big 12? What do you, where do you, where do you fall on that? Uh, a little bit of a traditionalist in some way where I, I, I want to see the conference survive. Uh, but at the same time, I have the fear that we don't want to be left holding the bag. Right. Uh, and I just don't believe the Big Ten is done, maybe done for today, maybe not done for the immediate future. And I don't see Arizona in that mix. I don't think they're looking right. at Arizona ASU from a Big Ten standpoint, but I think they're looking at other schools, namely the Oregon, Washington, Stanford possibility. When you throw right. in a Notre Dame, that becomes a foursome. Um, and so I don't want to be left holding the bag. I'd rather be the team and the school that decides to break it up and leave for the pastures because it's right for us. I think from a basketball perspective, oh, Lordy, I kind of salivated a big 12 big, opportunity. Holy home home, cow, that'd be fun. You would have a home and home at Fog Allen every single year, and it wouldn't even be built into the schedule. You would have Baylor. I mean, you would have look at okay, what, okay, what uh, Jerome Tang's doing at K-State. Yeah. Texas Tech's not going anywhere. Uh, you know, even, Iowa even BYU, Iowa State, I mean, heck, if it was this year, we could have Huggy Bear and Kirk Creesa coming right. back to McHale with the, with what the Big 12 is. So uh, I'm excited. I mean, Houston, major team. That's a great Cincinnati. ad for the Big 12. Cincinnati. So from, right. a, from a basketball perspective, heck, with UCLA and USC gone, let's look at what's left. It's an absolute upgrade with what the Big 12 would offer from a basketball perspective. And and maybe not from overall, I, you know, I, I don't get paid enough or I'm not smart enough. It's probably more important to be in that room to make those decisions. Uh, but when we talk about it, it's definitely intriguing. And uh, I don't want to say worrisome, but boy, it's just, you sit back and watch it and say, oh, I, I, I wish I knew where we, what was happening. Right. He is the great Ryan Hansen. Rhino, can we get a back the A before you sign off? Of course. we Back the A, baby. We want to see the shuttles on campus with back the A. We want to see tweets, hashtag back the A. It's all about that. Mike Luke, no one more passionate about Arizona athletics than you, my friend. I appreciate you as always, my guy. And you have a great rest of your summer. We'll definitely be touching base. And Bon Voyage Travel, if you need anything, check him out right there. Rhino, Rhino can, uh, they'll get you all handled right there. All right. Take care, Mike. All right. That's Ryan Hanson. I'm Mike Luke. You've been listening to the AZ Wildcats podcast.